Uh, we continue with our series on 1 Kings chapter 3 and uh, some of the aspects that, that come out there. Uh, we've been busy for four weeks, the fifth one now, and there's another one or two to come. Now, on, uh, on the 23rd of November 2005, in the Pretoria News in South Africa, there was a report about a student at the University of Witwatersrand um, to... He struggled to raise money to, uh, to pay for his studies. And then something extraordinary happened. He picked up a ring uh, with a diamond in it of 1.5 carats. So Sibusisu Ngoma uh, decided that he's not going to steal this ring and take it for himself. Uh, he went to one of his lecturers and uh, he, in turn, took it to a jury, jeweler, jewel, and they uh, estimated it at that stage, now that's 12 years ago, about 50,000 rand, which is about 2,500 pounds worth, which could have paid for his studies. What would you have done if you were the student? picking up the ring, having massive financial trouble? Or what would you have done if the student returned the ring to you? If you had a choice like Solomon did between power and wealth and a long life and wisdom, what would you have chosen? Last Sunday, I said that uh, a long life and wealth and power were things that kings could ask for. And we read it in this passage as well, later on in the passage that we've read this morning. But, but in Psalm 21, it says, You came to greet the king with rich blessings and placed a crown of pure gold, that's wealth, on his head. He asked you for life and you gave it to him length of days, that's time which we focused on last Sunday. And through the victories you gave, his glory is great. That's power. Those things a king could ask. Now in the classic film Fiddler on the Roof, Tevye starts before he sings something, he says, Dear God, you made many, many poor people. I realize, of course, he says, that it's no shame to be poor. But it's no great honor either. So what would have been so terrible if I had a small fortune? And then he sings, If I were a rich man. I wouldn't have to work hard, he said. I'd build a big tall house with rooms by the dozen right in the middle of the town. A fine tin roof with real wooden floors below. There would be one long staircase just going up and one even longer coming down. And one more leading nowhere just for show. I'd seed my wife, my gold, 
looking like a rich man's wife with a proper double chin, supervising meals to her heart's delight. And the most important men, he says, would come to him for advice like they came to Solomon, the wise. And then he says, Lord, who made the lion and the lamb, you decreed I should be what I am. Would it spoil some vast eternal plan if I were a wealthy man? I'm sure that many of us would agree with him. Would it really make such a big difference in God's big plan if I had a bit more? Would, it be, would there have been much significant changes in God's plan if I could relax about money for petrol and for food and for clothing? What would you have asked if you had the choice between power, wealth, long life, and wisdom? Solomon, as we saw, could have asked wealth, long life, power, but he does not. God asks him, ask whatever you want me to give to you. And then he asks a discerning heart. A discerning heart. I've mentioned it a few times now, but it's important that we should hear this. That the Hebrew phrase says, Lord, give me a, a hearing heart. Which means an obedient heart. That's all he wanted. In light of all the challenges that he faced. Solomon's prayer is teaching us to stand before God with a listening heart, with an obedient heart, to do just His will. This is the only way we can approach life and the challenges that it brings. So we don't need more but obedience to use what we have in such a way that God's kingdom may be served. You see, the question is not whether we are the rich man or Lazarus, but whether we do the will of God. So, as New Testament believers, when we look at this prayer, the things that he did not ask that he could, as people with obedient hearts, how should we look at our possessions, our money, what God has given to us? First of all, the Bible says that we should get the right perspective on life. You see, Jesus did not come and ask us a tithe. He's never asked a tithe. He asked us to give everything. Not a tithe. Do not be afraid, little flock, 
For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give it to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, Jesus says. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moths destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hard words. And you know, Martin Luther said that the last thing that's converted in our lives is our bank account, our money. Why was it necessary for, for Luke to record these words to, to this community? He wanted to say to them, listen, your wealth is on a different level. You have received the kingdom of God. What more do you want? He wrote to a community that slowly but certainly became more and more divided between rich and poor. Many of the people suffered because of their poverty. And the rich became richer and the poor poorer. Because they lost something in their mind, in their faith. They expected Jesus to return very quickly. And the moment you forget the future, the eternal life, you begin, begin to focus on the here and now. So that became more and more important, gathering of stuff. And in the, in the meantime, the poor people became poorer. The people had to get a new perspective, according to the words of Jesus, that we are strangers and foreigners in this world, that we are citizens of heaven, that's the right perspective on life. This is not our homeland. Heaven is. The second thing is get the right perspective on your possessions and money. The moment you understand that this is not our final destination, it saves us from being, becoming too attached to the things around us. If your heart has forgotten your homeland, you desperately hold on to everything. Your own kingdom becomes the most important. Therefore, the Bible says that if God is your treasure, your heart will be with God. But if your heart is in your treasures, your heart is away from God. See, just before Jesus said these words, he told them the parable of the rich fool. Successful man. Fantastic harvests. Building more and more bonds because he's expanding 
what he has. And he sat back and felt that he has secured his future. But then he hears the words, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? It seems that the wise farmer was a fool in God's eyes. Because he was not rich in God. The Bible does not warn us against wealth per se. The Bible warns against our tendency to think that our wealth is ours. That it belongs to me. Listen and look at the many I and my in what the rich fool says. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. The rich fool's folly is that he thinks it belongs to him. That he decides how to manage it. It's my money, my dreams, my opportunities. No credit is given to God that made him rich and caused his harvest to grow and grow. You see, there is not a single penny in your bank account. Not a single hour of our lives. Not a bit of strength in our arms. It does not come from God. We have nothing that we own. Everything. Our money, our goods, our house, our car, our job, our salary, our life is a loan. Therefore, we must live with the values of thanksgiving and contentment with what we have. Paul says, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world. And we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And Hebrews says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. So back to the question, would it spoil some vast eternal plan if I were a wealthy man? There are two answers to this question. No. No, it wouldn't spoil God's plan if we use our possessions 
to serve the kingdom of God. When Solomon asks for wisdom to discern between right and wrong, between God's will and the will of human beings, he confesses that God knows better than he does. And the same Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. There are churches, congregations in PCI and outside in desperate financial trouble. People would say, look at the buildings. You know, we don't look after our buildings well. If people gave more, we would be able to. That's the long and the short of it. No one else's fault but our own if things are not up to standard. Some people withdraw their money because they don't agree with the gospel message that's being preached in many churches because they are upset about one or two side issues, not the main thing. There's a minister who said at the end of a service about God's dream for the church, he said, I have good news and bad news. The good news is that we have the money to repair our buildings, to pay all our bills, and to send missionaries all over the world. The bad news is that money is still in your bank accounts. That's the bad news. If this congregation would tithe, just tithe, not give everything, as Jesus says, we would have more money that we can spend. And then think about the world in which we live. There's a glaring gap between rich and poor in the world. In 1820, three rich countries for one poor country. 1913, 11 to 1. 73, 72 to 1. And it's just going worse and worse. Nearly half of the population more than 3 billion people live on less than $2.50 per day. And 1.3 billion live in extreme poverty, less than $1.25 a day. 1 billion children are living in extreme po poverty. 22,000 children die every day due to poverty. 2,300 people die per day because of diarrhea, because of poor quality of drinking water, sanitation, and so on. Would it spoil some vast eternal plan if I were a wealthy man? You see, the gospel cuts through our possessions. The gospel means 
self-denial. It means that I lose my right to my property because I'm faithful to the principles of the gospel. Without that, we go our own way. Without, we live without insight. We are fools. And God gives us the wisdom not to ask for more, but to use what we have in his service. Extraordinary things happen in the lives of congregations and other people. This is a key question for us. Do we spoil the vast eternal plan of God by our stinginess? No, we don't have to if we use our possessions to serve the kingdom of God. We are called to a life of thanksgiving to give all our possessions to God, to say, Lord, you have the right to decide about that. Command those who are rich, Paul says, in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with enjoyment, everything, everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Just after the tsunami, uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs wrote in the London Times, many people ask, why did this happen? He said, this is the wrong question. The right question is, what then shall we do? He's called us to be partners in the work of creation. The only adequate religious response, he says, is this. God, I do not know why this terrifying disaster has happened, but I do know what you want of us, to help the afflicted, comfort the bereaved, send healing to the injured, and aid those who have lost their livelihoods and homes. Would it spoil some vast eternal plan? There's a second answer to this question. Yes, if our possessions stand in our way to be obedient to God and follow Christ. God asked Solomon, what do you want? And it sounds like he's giving him a blank check. And yet he says, no, Lord, I just want to hear what your will is. I want to do your will. That's all. Obedience in the New Testament is to follow Jesus. That's a hearing heart. And this Jesus, when he speaks about following him, says that there is one thing in our lives that can prevent us from inheriting the kingdom of God. One thing that can block our ears to listen. One thing that can lead us astray. Our possessions. 
In Luke 14, we read that the king invited a lot of people to a feast. And when the, the meal was ready, he called them to come. One after the other had an excuse. One bought a piece of land. The other one oxen. Possessions. They missed the feast of the Messiah because of their possessions. They didn't share in the joy of the Lord because of their possessions. Alison referred to the rich young man. He met all the other requirements. But when Jesus said, sell everything, come and follow me, the demand is too great. And Luke 14, when Jesus speaks about discipleship and he says that our dreams and our love for natural things should come second, he closes the section by saying, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. It is our possessions that have the tendency to close our ears, to block our path to God, to come between us and God and our willingness to listen. There was an insect expert that walked with a friend through a busy street and suddenly he stopped him and he said, do you hear? Do you hear? There's a cricket. And the guy said to him, how could you hear in all this noise, this, this sound of a cricket? And he answered, everyone hears with his heart. Listen and look. And he took a coin out and he dropped it. And immediately a few people stopped We hear with our hearts. And sometimes our possessions come in the way to listen to God. The Gospel of Luke makes it clear that wealth and possessions stood in the way of many people in following the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says in Timothy, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Prosperity can make us forget God and turn our hearts away from God. It's clear that Luke says, either you love your money or you follow me. The Bible says, if you have money, follow Jesus with it. 
Greed is the root of all evil. It is not God's will. A person who has a hearing heart, an obedient heart, doesn't develop this illness. So give your servant a hearing heart, an obedient heart also when he comes to our possessions. We read that God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for a long life or wealth for yourself, not have, uh, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment, I will do what you have asked. I'll give you wisdom. Would it spoil some vast eternal plan if I'm a wealthy man? You decide this morning. Would it? Let's pray. Generous God, you have freely given your kingdom to us. Moth and rust cannot touch it. Forgive us, Lord, that the here and now life has become so important to me. Forgive our complaints about our poverty. We who have enough each day to eat. While there are so many people who do not even have food to eat. We who have a roof over our heads. While many people sleep outside. We will have a job while there are many who have lost their jobs. Lord, we complain about our lack while friends and family surround us and while loneliness is the worst poverty of so many people. Lord, we became poor for our sake. Save us from our grasping hands for more. Our hands closed around our possessions. Spirit of God, open our eyes to the wealth of those who serve and enrich us without money and possessions. Who serve us with their simple belief that God cares and may be trusted. Open our hearts for the pain of others. Use us as instruments so that there will be more equality. Make us honest when I do business, fair when we have to pay people for their work, reliable when we manage our money. Make us unconditional givers to the poor without expecting anything in return. Make us real people giving like you, the true giving God. 
We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.